You have heard it said that knowledge is the reward and the pursuit at the same time. Or you may have heard it said that knowledge is its own reward. But the pursuit of knowledge is a tricky thing in the post-information age. How we deal with knowledge and how we deal with how we understand knowledge has become ever more importantly a matter of ethics as well as epistemology. In fact, we could go so far as to say right now that your epistemology reflects your ethical structure in a way that has not been as relevant as before. But we cannot really know such things without researching them. We cannot really know such things without digging into them. And so as we engage with the ideas that we live in, we are faced with the ultimate criticism. Know thyself. In the same way that a doctor is told, heal thyself, and in the criticism that it's presented, why would you trust a doctor who is himself not healthy? Why would you trust a philosopher who is himself not sane? The arguments of the 21st century tend to slant towards madness, and madness in itself is its own reward. But the pursuit of wisdom or the pursuit of knowledge is a tricky thing because it demands something of us. To know is not enough. And how we play this out in the world can change, and it can change ourselves and how we think. Philosophy for a while, for some time now, within the Western world, has been reduced to the concept of navel-gazing, staring at oneself in a masturbatory sense, sweaty, sultry, lazy in the chair, and the ideas that roll through one's mind are only as strong as they are not acted upon. Wisdom itself is been, has been reduced to a quip, a nice quick word spoken on the internet. It's this idea that a person's fate can be determined by a tweet or a zeet or whatever the new thing is. And we go on and on and on. And so the question here, and the reason why we might even have this conversation, is because how we think about things matters to ourselves, our sanity, and to some level, our sanctification. The pursuit of knowledge is a timeless thing, but one must ask some questions. Why are you pursuing this knowledge? And if attained, what will you do with it? The fool and the ivory tower are closer to one another just as the fascist and the communist bend the horseshoe of politics into similar territory. They play the same game but accuse each other of being the enemy. And so when we ask the question of what is a fool and what is an ivory tower intellectual, we can say one and the same, a man who is full of knowledge but without action. But there is a difference, too, because a fool, in the old sense, is a man who does not concern himself with right or wrong, truth and falsehood, but rather whatever is expedient to his moment. 
you may say that the fool, not in perhaps the Jordan Peterson sense, and this is where I can grow some disagreement with the man who has gained so much attention, but I do not believe the fool should be misconstrued with the naive. A man can be foolish in a sense of innocence, but we really apply that to naivety, whereas a man who is a fool is not so much naive, nor even ignorant, but maliciously so. There is some sort of moral attribution to a fool. Foolishness, folly, is not just levity and lightheartedness. It's rather a choice application or even lack of application of knowledge. Or even worse, the denial of knowledge for the sake of the moment. If I can blind myself to the consequences of my actions then I will not feel the pang of my conscience when I betray it. And the ivory tower intellectual falls in line in a similar way. He deals with ideas, knowledge, words, metaphors, and the appearance of wisdom, not for the intent of doing, doing anything about it, but for simply, like the sophists say, to appear as wise. And what has the internet done? What is the irony of me speaking to a microphone, looking into a camera produced? It has produced an entire world where this sophistry is extremely profitable, or at least it presents itself as such. Just like in the world of the, what do you call it, the OnlyFans girl, very, 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 very few make a very, very, very large disproportionate amount of money while most of them struggle while selling their body and some of their soul for a little bit of attention. So the story goes with the whinging on the internet. And it's, we have to be careful with how we say it and we have to be careful with how we think it. I can very quickly turn this conversation in my own head into a self-negation. And there is no shortage of criticism to be leveled. So let's go back to the idea of wisdom and knowledge and the fool and the... What do you, I, we need to find another word for the ivory tower intellectual. The, the philophaster was a word that's been used in the past, a person who merely in, uses philosophical language to, be, uh, to appear smart. Um, but rather, we have this issue within our world and ourselves that has to do with how we think about things and how that knowledge turns into application. Clairvoyance is one of the, let's call it rewards or the pursuits of wisdom. Clairvoyance, the ability, the, the, the momentary or enduring experience of observing the world for how it is, and even more importantly, how one has a role to play in it and how they may act and how that act may turn out for the good. Clairvoyance is the reward of knowledge or the pursuit of knowledge, or at least we would like to think so. But clairvoyance demands something of it. It demands action, it demands achievement, it demands a pursuit of something greater. And so if we were to just say clairvoyance is the goal at the end, kind of like the idea of enlightenment is the goal at the end, then we find ourselves inching ever onwards towards the masturbatory sense of the illusionist who lies to themselves for the sake of feeling or even appearing pseudo-intellectual. 
it's a criticism to be leveled at many a personality, but to turn it that direction would be, tr- would be to betray the purpose of this presentation. It would be to betray the concept that we are talking about. When we speak about clairvoyance, and we talk about knowledge and its pursuit, and we, inter- in- we integrate that knowledge into our understanding of the world, we are performing the actions of an intellectual. We are performing the actions of what might be described, in a sense, the pursuit of wisdom. And even though Proverbs begins with and oftentimes speaks about how the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, we recognize that if we understand these ideas, and if we understand what we are thinking about, and we understand what we are talking about when it comes to rights and responsibilities, weapons of war, conversations, politics, and ethics, we recognize that it is not merely a hypothetical. That if we are to say that something is right and true and good, we are demanded by that statement to act accordingly. Hypocrisy is rampant in certain worlds. I mean, hypocrisy itself is an easy dagger to stab somebody with. But hypocrisy, in its own sense, has a socio a social like a, a social aspect to it. And hypocrisy might make sense when a person says one thing and does another as an easy form of attack, an easy avenue of approach in a tactical standpoint. If you are dishonest, that opens you up for a massive line of attack. If we understand that wisdom, knowledge demands something of us, action, pursuit, follow through, then we recognize that when we think and deal with ideas, we are not dealing with something lightly. It is the fool who says to himself that these ideas have no consequence, that I just get to enjoy them without any requirement. I get to enjoy them without any burden of proof. And sometimes academia exacerbates this problem because it desires free thought and exploration while denying itself the responsibility to those ideas. This is where you can get the student who's just presenting an idea and only to find out that that idea is the brain rot suicide pill that destroys the entire institution. Wisdom is something that must be protected. It must be sought after. It cannot be just thought about. And that is hard for us to admit sometimes, including myself. The intellectuals have a problem with this, including myself, and that it goes into a problem of, or it follows through with a problem of where does this problem lead and how must I live? So when it comes to, so when it comes to the ideas that, that, produce intellectualism when it goes when 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 we talk about what it means to be right and true and good when we pursue what we think about we are caught in a circumstance that forces us to live according to that which we understand to be true it's not enough to be right truth demands a response Truth demands something of the individual. For it to be true, it is true outside of the person's perspective, but it is still true though they perceive it. 
Truth is not something molded by the will of the individual. Truth itself exists outside of someone. And for it to be true, then we must live accordingly. We must live according to what is true. There is a great horror. There's a great horror that haunts, I believe, many of a man, but it has not yet come to the story form in my observation yet, and someday that will change. But it's this image that repeats and repeats and repeats. And it's the idea of a man looking in a mirror, and the mirror itself is fogged over and he cannot see. But for a moment... He is granted that opportunity of clairvoyance. He sees what he has done. He sees who he has become. He sees the trajectory of his life, and it terrifies him because he knows that he is responsible for it. He has built a life of lies around his mind, hedging it like a shield against wisdom and truth. He has built a fortress amongst his thoughts that prevents him from accurately ascertaining the truth or prevents it from demanding action of him. This is where you get that disconnected intellectual or you get the fool, the man who has built a webwork of distractions, confusions, posturing that prevents him that, that not prevents him, that makes it unclear where clarity should be. This man is looking in the mirror and for a moment he sees something. The great horror of intelligence would be to be smart enough to see that one is not strong enough to make it through, only so smart enough to identify the problem but not to solve it. The, the greater horror would be to recognize that, that, that one is himself responsible for that shortcoming, that you have lived your life pursuing a lie that you knew was a lie from the beginning and when it comes to, when it comes to the moment where you not only acknowledge not only recognize that it was a lie but you acknowledge it you are forced with a decision to sink back into the mud and the muck and the mire and the confusion which you find more comfortable than the demand that that truth has over you this is a great horror that I believe can haunt the man who pursues that which he considers the intellect. The man who neglects it is already lost, but that is beyond the pale. So the horror of the intellect, the horror of the mind, is to acquire or be granted a moment of clairvoyance just long enough to recognize that you have sunk your ship and that there's a way out that you can clean up your mind, you can clean up your act, but to instead choose to go back into the mud. Choice is an ugly thing. Well, it's not an ugly thing. Choice is a beautiful thing. But it's a beautiful thing that we like to twist to our own malice. So in practicality, when you choose to pursue wisdom, when you choose to pursue 
something of intelligence, beware that it might demand something of you, and be ready, choose willingly, voluntarily to follow through with that action. It is one thing to sit ever long studying in an example, to wonder and wander and wonder and wander through the hallways of thought and idea and experience and expression, but never to expect, it any, to expect anything of you. If other men do not demand integrity of you, demand it of yourself and do so accordingly. For it is a difficult road to walk, and we will stumble along the way. But to blind ourselves to it willingly is to turn any form of intellectual pursuit merely into masturbation, which is ugly and destroys more than we are willing to admit, but it destroys all the same. So in the pursuit of knowledge, When you are in pursuit and seeking after clairvoyance, remember clairvoyance does demand action. It points upwards and onwards, and achievement is the pursuit of that clairvoyance. Achievement is the pursuit of that action that clairvoyance makes available to you, and it continues to move ever onward and ever upward. If you find yourself thinking endlessly about the day and the time and how the world is going on, but it does not, and you, and you do not move, change the way you think, even if it's in millimeters, inches, or degrees. It is interesting how this plays out in the life of men. If you look at it in an external way, it is kind of like what we see in politics. Not necessarily politics, but the newsy type of politics. To forever be in the know, and I got to thank C.B. Robertson for bringing this up, but it's to forever be in the know, but never require anything of you. This is the external form of the masturbation of the mind. To know what's going on, but to have no place in it. To know what's going on over there, but ignore what's happening over here. If you want to pull a parable up, and maybe apply it to this situation. Do not be so concerned about what's going on, the speck of dust or the dirt mite that is taking place in Washington, D.C. when you have a plank in your own backyard, in your own eye there. Beware of what you are paying attention to on the other side of the world if you are not going to participate in the world in front of you. You have a community, you have friends, you have people you care about, You have people who love you, but if you neglect them for somebody else, you may be betraying your purpose from the start. It is masturbatory to engage in the world outside of oneself as a wise interlocutor, but have no consequence in your own world. It is also masturbatory to be forever looking inward, criticizing, crippling, and crushing one's mentality fully onward, never moving in any sense of the matter. And it is okay. It is okay that you find yourself here. For we are fallen man, we make errors, we make mistakes, but what it does demand of us is to stand up, stand straight, and move onward. You will stumble, and we believe you can pick yourself up. 
You will fall, and you will fall hard, and you will hit things that you call rock bottom, but you will pick yourself up. You will be all right. The pursuit of knowledge is not the pursuit of perfection in the sense that it is able to achieve perfection, but it is the pursuit of something greater than oneself, that there is something true outside of themselves, and that truth demands something of them, and they get to pursue it willingly. And so as it applies to gun culture, as it applies to Americana, let us not be fooled by foolish pursuits. Let us do what is right and pursue what is good and seek after that which is true. And as we learn those things, we can change our ways in inches, in degrees. Sometimes it's our goals that change. Sometimes it's our environment that we change. Sometimes it's our way of speaking and thinking that we change. But so long as we believe that knowledge is its own pursuit, we may find ourselves continuously falling short of even that standard. Go forth and conquer. Pursue what is good. Go forth and conquer. Pursue what is right. Go forth and conquer. Pursue what is true. Live for what is right. Do not be discouraged by what is wrong. Learn from your mistakes. Change your perspective of intelligence. Only in inches, never in miles. Because clairvoyance comes. It arrives from time to time. People have their eureka moment. So that when you have yours, you have the courage to follow through which what is right. That you do not follow the line of terror and sink back into the mire. So in closing, this is why we say, go forth and conquer. <laughs>